thumbs up. Looking good. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie review podcast. My name is Billy Schultz, and I am joined, as always, by two of my friends. Two of my friends who have stood by me for years. Two people who embody the very definition of friendship and kindness and support. Some lesser people may call them good friends, but not I. No, no. These are some great friends. How are you both doing today? Good. <laughs> Sorry. Double good. <laughs> Double good. Well, you know, you know what? that's a uh, these these inside jokes must be so confusing to new listeners who don't haven't listened to every single episode. That's okay. That's just sizzle for people to to make sure you don't miss an ep. <laughs> yeah, listen to every episode, listener. It's got layers. We got layers in this. But, this one's uh, a little easier because they don't have to dig through everything. They just have to listen to last week's, right? But the layer of that, Alex, is that your point only makes sense if everyone has the context of listening to all the other episodes where Billy does that every time, right? <laughs> Otherwise, it's just like... Well, they just, ha- they just have to take my word for it. Yeah. They, yeah. Just gotta, they just gotta get on board, you know? You gotta listen to the whole canon. Everything mm-hmm. is, is a part. And every episode, there's been like... There's there's a code word in there, and by the time we get to the final episode, you find the code words, and it'll reveal our you know where all our treasure is buried. So I hope you've been catching where all, what all the code words are, listeners. <laughs> Maybe at one point you can piece together uh, from every episode, and you could like actually do the Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, or something. Mm, never. Like the the poem is in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think eventually one day you'll be able to just cut all the episodes together and then do like have us sing like a song out there. Like you know how there's like the video of like oh, yeah. Obama singing whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they, some someone out there one day can do that with us. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day they'll be able to cut together a cohesive podcast from all of our ramblings. But I'm I'm really making it hard for the listener on that point. Well. <laughs> But we, because we certainly can't do it on purpose. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but yeah, it's great to sit down. It's great to see you, even though we're we're separated still via the Dread Discord audio. But we are going to talk about some something a little bit different than a 1980s serial killer slasher movie, which is something I'm very looking excited to. I'm very looking excited to. That's not... <laughs> yep. That wasn't edited out. That was just the way the words came out of my face hole. Anyway, we're going to talk about some zombie movies. We're going to go to Korea in this episode, and we're going to be watching Train to Busan. So, Alex, let us know what you know about this movie. I know it was quite acclaimed when it came out. I personally haven't seen it, but like the reason I know about it is because when it did come out, a lot of my friends were telling me to watch it. And it's one of those ones where you're like, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll put it on my watch list. And I believe I put it on my Netflix watch list like all those years ago. I think this came out 2017. Mm-hmm. And I still have not watched it to this day. And it's been removed from Netflix. So mm. that's my problem. But I am looking forward to it. I know it's about zombies on a train. And it's supposed to be a more like, I don't know, heartfelt and character driven horror movie in a sense is what I've heard. And it's a foreign film, so I'm I'm looking forward to it because I think I think I've said this before, but I think if you love movies but you never watch foreign movies, you're missing out on a lot of good stuff out there. 
Agreed. Yeah, hard agree. I also haven't seen this movie yet. It is one of those movies that's up there in the in the collection of movies of me being too afraid or too timid to watch horror movies. So I didn't want to watch it. And so I missed out on the conversation at the time. And this one, you're right, Alex, this one was a huge one when it came out and people talked about it all over the place. So I'm really excited to get into this one. Zombies on balance are some of the the stuff that is the most freaky to me in horror. I guess, I don't know, just the loss of autonomy and the mindlessness and that whole scare of zombies is, I don't know, it creeps me out on a, a level I was really scared doing wreck. And so I'm excited to get back into this one because also we haven't been scared very much in these movies. I haven't been surprised or scared, I think, yet this year for 2021, the episodes that we've done. So, but Luke, what do you know about Train to Busan? Well, I have seen it, so... I guess I know it. <laughs> well, then, Luke, have you ever been on a train? <laughs> yes, I have been on a train to Busan. Nice. I lived in South Korea for three and a half years, so I have been to Busan many times. I usually mm. took the bus, but the train is also an option. Too many zombies and... on the train, though, so that's why I took the bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, is yeah, Busan yeah. like a beach city? Like a resort kind of place? Not, not resort, well, but like it's next to the water, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on the ocean. It's like it, not, not on the ocean. I wouldn't say on the ocean. That would be at like, I don't know, like an oil rig, right? <laughs> it's okay. by it's, the ocean. It's it's beside the ocean. Yes. No, I, I actually, I'm totally down for a preposition disagreement at any time. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a preposition. To, yeah. <laughs> it's the difference between peeing in a pool and peeing into a pool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or peeing on, no. So... Yes, it's beside the water. If you can imagine South Korea on the map, Seoul is in the northwest corner of South Korea, and Busan is in the southeast corner of South Korea. So it's okay. like as about a f- as far apart in South Korea as you can get between the two cities, and they're the two biggest. So given given that they're the furthest away, it takes about five whole hours to get from one to the other so that's another funny little aside is the like difference in intuitive geography from what country you live in because all the kids i taught in south korea were just blown away at how far busan is from seoul and so when i told them that i lived close to vancouver it was only a seven hour drive they were like what (laughs) blew their minds (laughs) this movie is pretty i remember it being pretty good it's a dad trying to protect his daughter on the train with okay. a, some help from some fellow passengers. There's a zombie outbreak and the zombies attack. I I think I don't quite share your in, innate fear of zombies in the sense that I see it more as like a, a survivalist type of situation as opposed to a horror situation. Like, okay. I see zombies kind of like I would see a pack of wild animals where... I don't know. Maybe this is back to our philosophy of horror. I would say I fear that or I'm scared of that, but I don't consider it horrific. So I'm interested to hear what might be the difference there in our intuitions. So I think that could be an interesting thing in this film. I I bet it's the the horror of the loss of a child. Well, sure. Yeah. But that's that's also something you can be scared of with a pack of wolves or a grizzly bear or something like that, right? So Yeah, I... I think it's just the idea that there's no reasoning with a zombie. I guess same thing. Like you can make that argument about a pack of wolves, but but it's because they look like people. You know, 
It's because they look like people. And they I walk like wolf? Honestly, I'm still bumped. How the hell can you drive to Vancouver in seven hours from Calgary? Oh, I, sorry. <laughs> I meant I meant from where I grew up in Nelson. That was what... Oh, okay. That was, was like... Yeah. Because, yeah. You've never, you've never done it before, Billy? <laughs> I I have driven to Vancouver before, but it'd take me like 13 to 14 hours. But I'm yeah, not... yeah, yeah, no, no. Sorry, I meant I'm I meant from my hometown. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, that was a... how? <laughs> that was a crucial <laughs> bit of information left out. Yes, no. Right. I actually like. So this is we could talk about this more later. I'm curious to know if you, Billy, would have the same intuitions around humanoid AI that you might have around zombies of like. What's going on in the quote-unquote brain if there's no reasoning or if it's programmed? Like, is it more scary if it's primal versus programmed to be non-responsive? You know? Yeah, I don't know. And it, and honestly, you you just, like, scratching the surface of this and talking about it makes me think, like, I don't really know why I'm scared of zombies mm. to begin with. It's just one of those things where it's like, no, something happened and... My brain was like, zombies equal scary. And I went, okay, brain, I will never examine this again. And my brain was like, I got it. Don't worry about it. So for, <laughs> forever it was like, zombies equal scary. And I don't know if it was because I saw something way too young. Maybe that was like a zombie thing. You know, zombies have been around in pop culture for forever and ever and ever and ever. And maybe I saw something when I was in my formative years and it freaked me out. But like I've gone through and watched... The Walking Dead and the more I watched you know that show the less I got scared of the zombies and the more I just got bored of that show so that's <laughs> that's a good reference because the zombies actually don't really end up being the horror element of The Walking Dead nearly as much as the other people yeah it's a very Stephen Which, King aspect of it yeah, yeah exactly yeah would Frankenstein's monster count as a zombie is that a zombie it's a reanimated human corpse right I think. I'm pretty sure but it's like, yeah. yeah, I can't remember, but isn't it like a pastiche of different parts of a, a body? It's like a golem, yeah. It's kind of mm. stitched together. So I think in the in the folklore, you know, zombies are different than uh, Frankenstein monster because zombies are entire people that are reanimated, mm. whereas right. Frankenstein's monster is a bunch of different body parts sewn together and given life. So it's not like the, the life was, you know, taken out of, person a and given back to undead person yeah. a but right. you know if we want to boil it Someone, back down someone's to... probably wrote like a dissertation on the definition of a zombie right i know that Someone in D in in D there is a different stat block for zombies as there is for the flesh golem monster so they're different <laughs> you know what alex i'm i'm just reanimating to read that <laughs> all right all work, right work, you, work, work. you goofs you goofs. All right, so we'll we'll go watch this movie now, I think, and we'll we'll talk about it more and talk about our our fears around the undead, but you know, I usually save this for the end of the episode and I'll say it again then, but it's just a movie. There's nothing to be scared of. So, mm. we are going to go and watch this movie. We're going to check it out and this is your call, listener, dear listener. This is your warning for spoilers, especially as this is a more recent movie. You may be a bit more leery of spoilers so we will talk about all the stuff that happens in this movie and we'll you know if you're worried about any of the triggering things if there's anything particular triggering that we talk about i will make a note of it in the show notes which are below 
the episode. You can always find them. And you can always check out DoesTheDogDie.com before you watch this movie to see what upsetting events and triggers there are within this episode. So we'll see you in a couple minutes. The train bound for Busan Station is departing shortly. Excuse me. That woman does not seem right to me. Requesting medical assistance in car number 11. What the? Get back! Get back! Get out of you! Shut the door! This summer. Sweetie, please stay right here, okay? Nobody's here. Please help me. Busan Station is still open. We should all go there right now. The whole nation runs into danger. Which car? Car number 13, and please hurry! Should you stay alive? After the tunnel. Now! Are you even aware of what we are faced with? Get on board now. Why did you? We could have saved them. This train simply can't go in. Take away when you're ready, Alex. Okay. Train to Busan is a 2016 South Korean action horror film. The film mostly takes place on a train to Busan as a zombie apocalypse suddenly breaks out in the country and threatens the safety of the passengers. That's what you're getting. That's basically... (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the best synopsises. Remember how I said Cowboys vs. Aliens was great because you know exactly what you're getting in the title of the film? Same with this one. I know exactly what I'm getting and... Mm-hmm. I liked it. <laughs> I think I think to be a little bit more explicit along the Cowboys versus Aliens line, it would have to be like zombies on a train to Busan. <laughs> and then you'd know mm. for sure. Because maybe there's some way you see train to Busan and you don't know that it's zombies. That's oh, what fair. a surprise yeah. you'd be in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luke, what'd you think of this movie? This is a pretty good film. From a cinematic point of view, this is basically a perfect movie. The cinematography, the sets the train the costumes the makeup the zombies themselves the score that acting it was all really good so i enjoyed it quite a bit and i enjoyed it especially because i have a nostalgic and more intimate relationship with the country of korea as i mentioned at the top having lived there so there was just so much i think i got maybe a little extra out of this film just because like i knew all the cities they were talking about and i had been to (laughs) all of them And the countryside and just the way everything looked was really familiar to me. And even at the beginning with that like guard flashing the orange uh, baton, (laughs) I remember my very first day in Korea taking the bus from Seoul down to Gwangju, the city I was going to be living in, and just they'd have like fake police lights (laughs) around corners so that people would slow down, (laughs) stuff like that. So there's just like funny, there's just funny nostalgic, and I'd taken the train lots in Korea, so just all of, and like stuff as simple as the doors, the way the doors are, were very familiar. Right. So I like that. So I feel like I'm going to have a lot of really positive things to say about this film. So I'll get my criticism out of the way here. I think the only thing this film suffered from was it was a little bit too long. I think it could have been 15 to 20 minutes shorter. I think the second half really milked 
the emotional drama a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit dry. Like I think it should have had some. I think it had a little too much, which made the movie a little longer than it needed to be, which messed with the pacing a little bit because I thought the first half of this film was incredibly well paced, exciting, terrifying, interesting, really good. And so the second half wasn't bad, but it because it just really milked that emotional drama a bit more than my palate, I thought it dragged a bit, which was really, that's really my mm-hmm. only criticism of the film. I mean, obviously the plot is pretty thin, but it doesn't matter. So <laughs> yeah, overall, really good film. Yeah, I, I agree. This was a great movie. It was a lot of fun to watch. Obviously the production value was super high and I don't have the nostalgic attachment to Korea having never been there myself, but I can relate to if you see somewhere on a movie where you've been, you're like, oh, I've mm-hmm. been there. Like, oh, that's that's cool. I was in that spot when, and at some other point in time, this movie was shot in that spot. Like, and it's just, there's some sort of weird sense of pride for some reason, I feel. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. after, <laughs> when I was in junior high, I went to Australia on a band trip. And then every time from then on, whenever there's a shot of the Sydney Opera House, I'm like, I've been there. I've been to that place. I've like been on those steps and been in there. So I totally... Totally relate. It's a similar mm-hmm. feeling I get to when anybody in any form of media mentions Canada at all. And I'm like, ooh, that's that's where I'm from. Yay, Canada. <laughs> so I... Yeah. But specifically to the point of Train to Busan, I thought it was really good. The, the tension was awesome throughout this movie up until the point where the, the very many emotional sacrifices were, were getting a bit much. I, and in my notes, there's a couple places where it's like, heartwarming scene of self-sacrifice one heartwarming scene yeah. of self-sacrifice yeah, yeah, yeah. two <laughs> yeah exactly just... every character needed their own heroic moment <laughs> yeah every single all, one all of them yeah <laughs> but enough about me for right now alex how did you like this movie yeah this was great i really liked it i too also relate to the whole you know being able to see locations of places you visited on film i personally got got that sense of pride when when i watched empire strikes back and they visited dagobah you know being there it's it's kind of some might say it's a shithole but i personally i i find it endearing um a lot of life forms. how was the yoda's hut set to her is it good oh like, i never i never went to that part of dago by i was oh, on the no, other okay. side it was uh, a lot more a lot more steamy and smoky and less less like swamp like but still you know it was it was fine bunch of hairy vines <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this this was a great movie um probably one of the better if not the best zombie movies i've seen and yeah like it was just a very straightforward plot but i think it was character driven which is good mm-hmm. i don't know if either of you have ever watched any k dramas but yeah definitely that very end when you know he has the flashback of him holding her as a baby that's like that's k drama <laughs> 101 you always gotta oh, yeah. have the flashback with all the white lights and everybody's dressed in white <laughs> but yeah b- b- besides like I mean, it's a Korean film, so like I, I, I would have been surprised if there wasn't one of those. But mm, yeah, I don't, yeah, it was it was good. It's very interesting, and it didn't do like I think that's what I like about these kinds of zombie movies is when you focus more on characters rather than like oh how did this happen? Like what kinds of zombies are these? It's like you this movie didn't have to explain that at all. It was and just, it, it, 
yeah, it didn't really matter from a from the point of view of the people on the train. It wasn't like if the news report had been unbroken and they said this virus was caused by blah 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 blah, and we don't know how to stop it. Like that information would have been of no use to the people on the train because mm-hmm. the immediate peril is being trapped on the train with a bunch of zombies, which I really liked in this movie that they just go ahead and called them zombies. Like it was all, so it was all in Korean. We were, we were watching the subtitles, but when they're at the start, when it's all kicking off and people are getting notices on their phone, one of the subtitles that came up was just like keyword zombie, all capital letters. And so it was nice because usually these movies that are about a zombie outbreak never refer to them as zombies. They're always infected or walkers from the walking dead specifically, or they're, they're creeps. And I just like that they leaned into it and said, you know, this is a zombie movie. These are zombies. Let's keep going, which was nice to see. Yeah, when you don't have to focus on the little minute details because it's a given, but you can make it so that the audience just accepts it for what it is and because it makes sense. I think that's when you are able to make a compelling story based off of something as simple as zombies. It was pretty much, there was a chemical leak. These are zombies. If you get bit, you get infected. They're fast infecting and they can't see in the dark. Like, that's it. (laughs) And then everything else is like, okay, I know these like five points. Great. Let's focus on, you know, what's more important. And this movie did that really well. Yeah. It makes me kind of wonder if there's something like, I don't know, a shared train to busan a verse out there of like other snapshots from the outbreak like maybe a wreck a wreck type in an apartment building or condo or like a i don't know world war z or z thing where it's like just different stories about the same outbreak because the setting of the train was really cool and it kind of made me want to spend more time and see like okay what about people who were just at their office jobs or what about people who were at school and i think that would have been Mm-hmm. That there's a lot to mine there. I think there was a sequel that came out last year, actually. Um, was there? Mm-hmm. It's called. Peninsula. You look that up. Well, oh, Peninsula. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's set four years after, and it's not a sequ- It's not quote unquote a sequel, but it's a. It it happens in the same universe. Oh, neat. Is it out? Yeah, yeah 2020. I, I something just occurred to me that might be. I don't know this to be true, but it it could be. This movie might have a more impactful undertone to a Korean audience because during the Korean War, Busan was kind of like the last refuge of the Allies to defend the South Koreans against the North Koreans coming in. And with, you know, I'm not an expert on the Korean War, but the port of Busan is where like the US and the Scandinavian countries and I think Australia and Canada, uh, maybe not Canada. Anyway, there was like 11 or 12 international countries that came to fight with the South Korean army against Kim Il-sung when he was taking over the peninsula. And right. so like, there's like at one point Busan was like the last city left under ally control slash what they were able to rebuild South Korea out of. So I think there could be an oh. interesting, there could be an interesting undertone there for, in this film of like Busan being the last safe city in this movie could also be part of that i i have no idea i'm purely speculating on that but just knowing the little bit of history that i do of that particular conflict could be an interesting tie-in that would have some emotional undertones to a korean audience potentially yeah that's really cool actually i didn't i didn't know that i my lack my knowledge on the korean war is so small but i know it happened in korea think yeah well and because Mm -hmm. busan is a coastal city right at the southern 
southeast tip yeah. of of South Korea, so it's like the last place that would have to be invaded by a North Korea army during that war. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. where the like that's where that their Alamo would have been, so to speak, in that kind of scenario. I wonder if Busan is maybe some sort of like evacuation point now. If there was ever like a big, you know, like uh, not a zombie outbreak, but some sort of natural disaster and they needed to flee (laughs) the country. I don't know. I don't know. I'll be more honest with you, Billy. The biggest natural disaster to worry about in South Korea is North Korea. (laughs) They're like, especially in Seoul, you like in the subway stations of Seoul, which is like one of the biggest there's like 13 lines and over 400 stops in Seoul and every single station has like gas masks and like bunker type supplies because Seoul mm. is only about 40, 40 miles or so from the DMZ. So from North Korea. Right. So I, I can tell you this, I lived in a city called Chongwon, which is only about 40 minutes or so, 40 minutes to an hour west of Busan. So it's a little west, but it's like as far south. And they did make the highway in Changwon big enough to land a plane on in case they had to emergency relocate their capital <laughs> and their strategic. <laughs> so they like, there's a lot of, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of Korea related things I'm going to inter- interject into this because it was just so good. One Please. of the, I'll start with this one, but the most unbelievable is the lack of traffic in Seoul <laughs> at the beginning of that <laughs> film. Just the amount of cars that exist in that city. <gasps> I was like, oh, what? There's no, there's his car and like four fire engines and that's it. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> but yeah, just interesting. I, I, that just occurred to me while we were recording is that Busan, maybe, because I'm obviously not Korean. I don't. Busan might have a, a kind of role in the in the psyche of like the last safe place in Korea kind of thing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'd love to get into it more as we as we go as they crop up. So please don't feel feel like you have to hold your tongue if there's any <laughs> relevant stories, because Luke's ever ever held his tongue before. <laughs> I would never um, do that. I would never right do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, the thing I liked about this movie is it was so well written that even though I didn't know anybody's name except for the daughter Sue Ann because it's all subtitled and they don't really use too many of the names i think the main character's mother uses his name but the there's a there's also a a young couple who's the you know the wife is pregnant and they don't have names really she calls him baby or daddy or you know (laughs) like they don't they have like nice terms of endearment for one another so even though there was no like names in this movie i just sort of i just sort of labeled everyone i was like main character businessman his daughter baseball teen baseball teen's girlfriend old man old sisters and just like they were all distinct enough that i didn't need to know what their names were i'm sure if i understood korean or could speak korean i would get more of the names as they come through but it was just like it was more of just the study of the person rather than it being i don't know if this is maybe an american movie taste where they have like a hero that's got to be played by like a known actor like a gerald butler who's always named like Derek strongarm or some you know dumb action hero-y name (laughs) (laughs) and you know the focus is on on the hero and this one was just like this is more of like a character study mm-hmm. of how people are reacting in this big crisis that's happening but i like that mm-hmm. i liked it i personally liked the more asian touches in the movie you know like when they go into the house they take off their shoes and put on slippers <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a like okay 
If you wear shoes inside your house, you're a psychopath. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, shoes I don't off. know anyone who wears shoes, shoes in their house. <laughs> what else? Like the the old grandma, you know, giving Sue Ann some food that she pulls out of her purse because she gave up her seat for her. Like mm-hmm. every grandma in every Asian grandma in the world has some like hidden snack compartment in their bag that they just pull out for those special occasions. It just appears. Yeah. And just like, well, that was, <laughs> that was the biggest crime I pointed out in the chat was at the start of the movie, the old lady unpeeling a boiled egg on a crowded train, just like, <laughs> Oh no. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's very common. That's a, that is yeah. also very Korean to like, yeah. just have these kind of very, non-processed foods in commercial areas <laughs> so like the the stations themselves train stations or bus stations very modern very like state-of-the-art great like the communication all the signs are in english as well as korean because they really cater to english-speaking people which is a wonderful part of korea yet always in these stations there's like a very like market street market type restaurant with like an exposed grill making you whatever kind of like egg (laughs) sandwich you want (laughs) you know that's like (laughs) but like they have the modern convenience store right next to like the the market lady making street food there's like all these well and then there's like (laughs) it's awesome there's the vending machines that it's like packaged eggs right yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that yeah. too. So it's like that part of Korea is so great. This like, and in the best possible sense, the collision of old culture and new culture mm. in in the so like it would it you're on this like brand spanking new train. Everything's state of the art, and you would have someone eating raw like an egg, a hard boiled egg and seaweed and like probably brought their own rice and kimchi like they didn't even buy it they just <laughs> yeah. it's awesome it's so good oh, i love it so the movie starts out with basically you get a little snapshot of dad and he's he's a big fund manager he might be able to explain what happened to gamestop to me i don't know because i still don't understand it <laughs> So he's he's shown as being really busy and too too busy to spend time with his kid. He's got a little young daughter at home and he wants to he's getting her a birth a birthday present at the start or just like a gift because I think I missed that, but it doesn't really matter. He's getting her a gift and he gets her a gift that she already has. He gets her a Nintendo Wii, big money, and hmm. <laughs> she already has a Nintendo Wii. So she wants to go to Busan to see her mom. And that's the like conceit to get them on the train. But I, want, I had a question about this. And maybe, Luke, you can answer this. Mm. What is Children's Day? And is it like a holiday? Is it like a gift-giving day in Korea for kids? Yeah, it, it is. My memory is a little hazy. I definitely remember there being something called a Children's Day. I don't remember if it's like a national holiday versus like just a kind of colloquial holiday. So like national holiday here would be, you know, Canada Day or new year's day like a stat as so i don't Mm -hmm. know if it's that kind of holiday i can't remember if it's that kind of holiday or if it's like halloween or like valentine's even right which is kind of a cultural holiday but it's not a stat i can't remember Happy valentine's day by the way yeah happy valentine's day everybody valentine's day (laughs) i can't remember which of those two it is but i definitely remember it's one of them okay okay cool i mean that was pretty clear from from the context but as far as reasons to get them on a train to busan it was fine 
whatever reason there could have been any reason like we're going on vacation or we're whatever we're just getting on this train so that the zombies can happen and i like this whole first sort of 10 15 minutes of the movie because you're seeing just in glimpses and in like screens that disappear for a minute or stuff that gets cuts away or shaky like cell phone footage that something's going on you know the the very start there's a quarantine zone a disinfecting zone and they're like oh it's just a bio leak no worries and you know we see the zombie deer and then until that was so cool the deer that was was really cool cool. yeah when it was twitching and standing up i was like oh but until we see the the one the first person who has a bite on her leg jump on the train with the worst security guard in the world worst security guard (laughs) ever how do you you not hear that like there was nobody else on the platform he's (laughs) yeah so she runs on the train and she's she's bitten and then she she turns and then the the whole like initial zombie attack on this train really shocked me at how fast people turned which Mm. i want to get your your thoughts on in zombie lore because it seems like i don't know too much but that seems like it's uncommon it's usually a slower infection right i think i think you can make up the rules to your universe yeah you know whether you want your zombies to become zombies quickly or slowly that's up to the direction of the film or the medium yeah i personally like the quick change way more than the slow change and i like the fast running zombies way more than the slow you know arms outstretched walking slowly towards you in a menacing fashion ones Mm. way more I just think it creates a sense of urgency and it's what helped propel this film quickly in a very natural way. You know, mm-hmm. like you're immediately like, okay, these are fast changing zombies. You know, we, we got the crystal light of zombies here <laughs> and the speed at which they move makes it, makes you feel more tense and gives the, the characters a more immediate sense of danger. And mm. it worked really well. It was great. And I wonder if the fact that they changed fast had anything to do with the setting being on like a train, which is fast moving. And if it was like the setting is literally the fastest thing in the movie and the zombies are slow. I wonder if that would have been less impactful. Like mm-hmm. it seems they like. They would have been traveling at the same speed as the, the fast train though. You know, relativity. <laughs> I know that. I'm talking like emotionally or mood based. <laughs> wow. Thanks a lot. Good. Nice one, Einstein. (laughs) Yeah, way to go. Let me just push my glasses up. The zombies were, I think, one of the strongest parts of the movie. They were terrifying, just in the sense that, yeah, the the urgency was necessary at all times because they were so fast. But they also had weaknesses. So I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then I just think it. the main character at the beginning was great because he was selfish and stupid. And then he had his redemption, you know? And there's one line that really stuck to me that I just, I was like, what? So the scene where they're driving to the station and they're in the car and they see all the, well, in the unbelievably empty streets of Seoul, they see all those (laughs) fire trucks go by. And then they see this like towering inferno. It looks like at least four stories of this like very tall building are on fire. And he's like, hmm, something's going on over there. It's like, it's like, what? Not my problem. You can see this massive building is just raging fires. Like, yeah, something's going on over there. Interesting. It's just like, oh my god. Yeah, I liked how 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 many scenes in this movie from him and then from like evil businessman were were just at the start when they were just like, I don't care what the problem is. I need to get to X Y Z, and my problem is more important than like the problems of what's going around you have to pay attention to me and i thought that 
our main character was maybe headed down the path of that selfish old businessman and he kind of got to see like this is what your future will be if you don't change your ways and then zombies so (laughs) just yeah I, i thought it was very believable in the way that people were confused people didn't know and (laughs) having now the firsthand experience of living through a pandemic and currently still living through a pandemic, just this was on a much faster timeline, obviously. But I remember like last year when stories were coming out about the coronavirus and whether or not there was going to be shutdowns and what was going to happen. There was that sense of just panic that pervaded those first couple months in lockdown where we just like, we didn't know how long it was going to be or what was going to happen. Or, you know, there was all these things being like, you need to stay 10 feet apart. And then it was like, no, six feet apart is fine. And, and there was all just like all this constant swirl of information. Cause nobody knew what the hell was going on. And now we're kind of just like, Oh yeah, we still have to wear a mask. The pandemic is boring, but we still have to go through with it. We just want it to be over now. And I just like the, I don't know. I just, I just could relate more. Something like something about mm, yeah. having this experience of a a pandemic makes me easier to relate to a pandemic movie or a, a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another cultural touch that was pretty nice was just like when you know before the before the big zombie outbreak on the train when they find the homeless guy in the bathroom, mm. and then the old businessman turns to Sue and is like, "Study or you'll turn like him." yes such an asian thing like (laughs) i can't like the amount of times that you know my parents my grandma and you know other older adults in my life that were asian told me these things like offhand is like Hmm. it's it's ingrained in my brain right like and it's so awful it's just like a terrible kind of outlook that doesn't teach kids anything about empathy but it's I would say this this movie in that really subtle line really kind of highlighted the problem with that outlook about yeah. valuing certain lives more than others and it was like makes you made me think about it for a little bit and how I hope future generations do not like you know turn turn the opposite way of that kind of mindset. Yeah, it's it's like that that sense of oh this this person is homeless or this person is suffering because they screwed up. Not that society failed them or that they you know they weren't given the tools they needed they didn't have the mental health need. it's because they didn't do good enough in school and you kids if you don't want to end up homeless you got to do good in school and i do i I agree with you alex i hope the the method and the the language around being a successful human is less on like how to be successful in like a financial way and more of like how about we just care about every human regardless yeah and then it was it was that scene where no matter what happened for the rest of the movie, I was on Sue Ann's side because she's like, my mom tells me that people that say that are bad people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yes. Well, <laughs> I don't care yeah. what happens for the rest of the movie. I'm rooting for you yeah. the whole time. Well, and the old businessman who says that thing about the homeless guy, he's the villain of the film. So I think oh, yeah. the, the tenor of the movie is all about like how these quote unquote lesser than type of people are the ones who sacrifice themselves to help others. You know, I mean, there's a, yeah. <laughs> there's like some references around like the sociology of all of this, especially in that one car where the people are like, no, even though you're not infected, get out of here because, you know, whatever reason. 
that stuff was a little ham fisted. Really bothered me. Yeah, I, I found that those kind of scenes a little ham fisted, like on the nose <laughs> type of thing. But I don't know. You just don't have enough time in a movie to explore all that stuff, right? It's an interesting theme, though. It's just like if one person spoke up, how different would that have changed? You know. But the fact like that bullying. nobody spoke up, yeah. How to how to stop bullying? Yeah, the mob mentality. But back to the old guy. I want to to touch on that point before we drift completely away from him. I just. Not two minutes back, I was like, we should love everybody, and everyone is worthy of redemption. And that, yet in this movie, as soon as that old guy was mean to Sue Ann like a couple times, and like the number of times he like pushed, literally pushed people in front of the zombies to save himself, I was like, fuck this old guy. I want him, like, I want to see him go down. And just this like immediate like desire for karma against this this mean person who was he was sc- as scared as anybody else, but. He just reacted in a way that was like completely self-serving and detrimental to everyone. Like how many people did he directly cause to get bit on the train? You know, train attendant guy, the the people in the other car. I think the 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 hero who sacrifices himself, the guy who's wearing the blue jacket, the big strong guy, the conductor of the train. Like he, based on like his words and his actions, he caused way more death than he needed to and in the end it was all for nothing so Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. something something the callousness of a businessman looking out for number one (laughs) i'm sure there's a poignant thought in there yeah i i I did like how they didn't just make him like be the villain because he's just a bad person like they, they they touched on it very briefly but at the end he's just like like as you said billy he's just as scared as everybody else and then we find out like towards his his transformation into a zombie is that he just wanted to go back, go to Busan to see his mom and make sure she's okay. So it's mm-hmm. like, like he wasn't just like your, he was, he was kind of, kind of a ham fisted villain, but it wasn't like, I'm bad because I'm bad. You know, it's like he did have yeah. like a human emotional element to him, albeit he was an asshole, but it's just like, like, yeah. like in life or death situations, you know, people, people react differently and it, um, it seems their like true character kind of shows. Yeah, it seemed like in another movie, that character would have been revealed at some point to have had inside knowledge about the zombie plague and something that would have saved people. Like, he was set up to be like, I would not have been surprised if there was a plot twist where it was like, and I was the the businessman who developed Zombex chemical spray or something that got out. Mm. And and I, I knew all along and I tried to hide it to save my skin. Like, that, that pathway was, I've pretty sure i've seen that in other well then you just get movies, resident but... evil <laughs> yeah he's get the resident. coo of uh, umbrella corp right <laughs> CEO of although corp. he he did make on the ground decisions that were pretty reprehensible that other characters didn't make who were just as scared as him right like he did push the train attendant into the zombies he didn't just even not help him or try to run past the zombies he like made a human sacrifice he like pushed the guy into the zombies so he could get away and then with the conductor the mm-hmm. conductor like jumps off the train to save him immediately their situations are reversed and he doesn't help so it's like yeah. he his his decisions were contrasted quite heavily against the more heroic type of characters so that's even though he was scared and just a person in a terrible situation i still think his decisions on the ground made him not evil exactly, but definitely the villain of the film. Oh, right, I'm not sure. saying otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm okay. not saying he's not the villain. I'm just saying how, like, you know, giving him something that we can relate to yeah, true. is 
like is is better storytelling than just having him you know i push this guy out of the way because i want to go to busan that's it you know i push this guy out of the way because i want to go to busan because i want to see my mom that's like a little bit better it's a little bit better yeah he could have been like i want to go to busan because i have a nice house there and i just want to chill but (laughs) they gave him the the ability to be a nicer human about it to circle back again to your point about it's about two-thirds of the way through when they they get sequestered away from the the other group of survivors once they go back on the train and they're mm-hmm. trying to get through and that's when they say like you have to go in the vestibule get out of here so that scene i'm talking about i like the parallel of the zombies trying to get through with the guy the big strong guy and then the humans trying to get through the same way, like sticking their arm through the door so it can't close. Yeah. And I think the girl even bites the train attendant once to to get him off of her. I just like the similarities between like the zombies are attacking in this weird feral way. And these humans are attacking in this weird feral way because they're being bullied off by other humans. A different, you know, horde of humans mm-hmm. is we're threatening all, we're them all in zombies a inside, way. right? Sure. <laughs> I just, I like the little symmetry or the, the reflection of that scene. Yeah, and I mean, it really shows, too, the the precarious nature of civilization. <laughs> like, there isn't that much that needs All to happen. All it takes for one person to ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because, like, this is a little bit nerdy, but, like, game theory suggests that everyone's better off if you just, like, kind of help each other a little bit and then trust but if you trust the wrong person, you're so fucked. So like your negative is so negative that you often, it's like tempting to do the selfish thing because even though you're not better off than if you did, you're much better off than if you get, if you're the one who gets hosed. And so like, they're like, cause you do understand the, the, the people say the, the majority of people who are safe in the, in the one train, you understand like, yeah, if maybe one of them's infected, there's six of them or seven and there's like 40 of us. So why would we take that risk? <laughs> right? Like mm. the callousness, the callousness is quite understandable. And so, yeah, one of the great, probably the great abstract principle in this film is that in Suan and then the cut like the the couple it's like helping people like putting yourself out there to risk to help others in a dangerous situation because a it's like it's it's our better angels it's not just our survival mechanism that has that instinct but then also like that is a better long-term strategy for survival it turns out than pure selfishness pure selfishness in every moment do you remember Luke, and tell me, tell me after if you want me to cut out this part of the story, so so I can. But do you remember okay. a, f- a few years ago when we and your other friend played uh, Game of Thrones Risk, and uh. I kept making the <laughs> making the not wisest, not the not the game theory move that was like the most thing. Like I remember you getting irritated with me when I wasn't taking over Alex's territories because it would give him more armies on his second turn. And I was just like, I don't, well, whatever. I'm allied with Alex. I'm not going to invade him. And then I ended up winning the game because the person you allied with just like completely bombed hard and like left you like no, no way out. I just, when you said game theory, I was like, yes, but sometimes. Well, I remember (laughs) it now. I think about that a lot. Well, okay. Yes. If the goal of the people on the train of to Busan was to just really frustrate the main character, then that was the right decision. 
So you're claiming to be the main character of that board game, right? <laughs> Me? No, I don't know. <laughs> We're all our own protagonists, right? It's true. It's true. Everyone else is an extra in my life. I don't know what all you what all you people are doing. I just no. assume after we record this, you all go back into like your rooms and don't move for another week until <laughs> until it's time yeah, to I'm record go, again. I go into hibernation. Yes. Nice, nice, nice. nice. <laughs> another thing I really liked about this zombie movie was the fact that it was it was low weapon, like it was low resource. A lot mm. of times, you know, there's people who have like caches of guns, and these people are just on the train with literally whatever would be on a train and the only reason there's any weapons at all is because a baseball team yeah, is they're really lucky that baseball is really popular in south korea yeah that right? was another that was another korea centric thing i wanted to talk about is just baseball is so famous in korea and so popular that i definitely remember traveling and seeing baseball teams with their matching jackets and hats and um <laughs> and this is something else i love about korea is that even the young male jocks in Korea are very polite and respectful. <laughs> like they'll make their noise and then one elderly person will be like, shut up and they'll shut up. <laughs> yeah. The Canada, the Canada equivalent is going to be like, I don't know, train to Winnipeg, know, like Regina. And there's just no, no, it has to be on the coast. They get their sticks. Oh, yeah. it's gotta be the train to Victoria. Yeah. So the baseball part, was just awesome. I went to some baseball games in Korea and they were a blast because you could bring your own beer in. You didn't even need to buy it there. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, very fun. It's, I love it's, freedom. It's funny, right? the yeah, the fact that it could have been contrived to have a baseball team on a train because it was just, oh, so lucky that they had weapons. But the fact that it's so common that it's not like out of the ordinary makes it even more enjoyable like it wasn't a big stretch to be like mm-hmm. oh and and for one week only the baseball teams are all in the town and they're all ready to do their oh, baseball totally. games like it was just this like is, no this is just any day maybe this isn't just indulging myself like the the setting of this movie is perfect because it's all quite organic to korean geography and korean infrastructure and architecture right like the there the trains in Korea are so common, so it's not weird to be on a train. Baseball is so common, it's not weird. All of it. All of the like the layout of the train stations are perfect for this kind of getaway. The the shots through the like I don't know, it's just it was a really cool organic take on what that country looks like and kind of like the way it moves even. So that it, it, none of it was gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt it felt really natural, mm-hmm. albeit in a pandemic <laughs> zombie movie. Like arguably, you know, there's not arguably there's no nothing natural about it. But the setting is so natural that it's just like, oh yeah, if zombies were here, this is what would happen. And I really like when they figure out that the zombies can't don't know how to open doors. And if they can't see you, they stop chasing you. So the one of the women on the train splashes water on the windows and then covers it up with newspapers, which got a lot of, you know, really cool zombie hands being pressed through like a translucent surfaces. Like that was a lot of really cool effects to just see people like banging on the glass with newspaper or, or fire extinguisher foam on it or something to to occlude their vision. And then it comes into play later when they figure out that the zombies can't see in the dark or... Maybe it's just because it's dark, they can't see you. They just immediately stop. It's like immediately their brains are like, okay, not good. You know, 
in the very very important plot point of having to travel between cars like the train cars to go rescue parts of the group they they took advantage of the tunnels right and mm-hmm. like it was it was he was like on his phone he was on his smartphone looking up like the train route it's like okay the next tunnel is in so and so kilometers if we're going at this speed that means we're going to have 2 minutes of darkness like <laughs> it makes sense and you know he's he's a, he's a hedge fund manager who so i assume he does he can do math and it's like yes he was able to calculate that pretty quickly because his occupation probably has him doing lots of math <laughs> he's got you a know? lot of mental math skills yeah i just yeah i thought that was really a really cool way to use ev- like you use everything you can in a survival situation and too often i think the zombie movie falls back on and we also found a whole bunch of guns. Hooray! Yeah, now, yeah. In, in, in like in like a, I don't know, like a Hollywood movie where they're not trying to ham fist guns into the movie. It would be like there happens to be a couple police officers on the train, and that's how they get guns. You know, even if there wasn't a, a crate of magic guns that they found. So I just like the survivalness of the characters. Like their their survival instincts were great, and the way that they survived was really cool too, because it was all very it felt very natural and free-flowing like it was very improvisational but like it was improvisational based off of things that you would just find on a train Mm -hmm. yeah the survival instinct was cool and i thought i was surprised that there was parts of this movie that weren't on the train i thought pretty much once they got on the train it would just be there but i like the little plot slowdown where they think they're going to be safe by going to dejan and or i don't know how to pronounce it dejan but Dijon, they they think you're going to be safe, so they get off the train because there's a quarantine set up there, and just that scene of them all coming down the escalators and the stairs, and all the the military has been turned into zombies and they don't know, and then just that like rush of people trying to run back up the stairs while the escalators are funneling them down the stairs into the zombies was just very very tense and very very effective. I thought that mm-hmm. part was one of the. One of the scariest, not scariest, but one of the most like tense parts of the movie, just like getting to see those big crowds of zombies. Because on the train, it's like, yeah, you can get a train car full, but it's still Mm -hmm. a pretty confined space. So having a big open square full of like army zombies, that was cool. Yeah. And the train itself is a great, hilarious thematic nod to the claustrophobia of this kind of movie and I think it's thematically great because (laughs) I would talk to my friends about how if there was a zombie outbreak Korea would be one of the worst countries in the world to be in (laughs) because it's one of the densest Mm -hmm. it's like 50 million people in a geographical area smaller than Alberta so it's like the survival (laughs) rate is quite low and then like compound that by also being on a train like an enclosed space (laughs) In, I've uh, been there's, on... there's no other ways you can go right it's, no. it's literally yeah. a straight line hallway yeah, yeah there's so, no lefts or rights it was it was well done yeah i've been on a train in japan when i went back when i was 16 and i remember just the the fact of it being so crowded and they had people like gently pushing you from behind to get you into the door so they could close and you're just packed in like so so close to people that yeah it would be it'd be nuts if there was i don't know a global virus that <laughs> spread really quickly <laughs> yeah that's For actually example. the most the most unrealistic part of this movie is actually how much room everyone had all the time around them <laughs> <laughs> well i wonder if that was because it was a 
was it some some sort of like special charter train or was it basically just like the high speed bullet train that everyone would take no i i mean the the train itself made sense they wouldn't they don't necessarily overpack those trains they don't like they right. they sell tickets but i i just mean like in the station on on the roads like if you were actually going to take some of these i guess i guess they were all like post outbreak so but you do these like big overtop shots of these cities you're gonna see so many people and so many cars and like just so much human activity that even if they're Mm -hmm. zombies they're gonna be everywhere because there's so many people in korea so i thought that was a bit funny how like it's just like even in korean commercials or korean things it's just like one of the funniest things to me is how clearly the sets are eliminating Mm -hmm. all of the other people who would be there in real life in korea (laughs) I wonder if they were able to, like, I wonder if it was sets or green screens or something, because it feels like it would have been really hard to lock down a train station and have nobody at it for a day of shooting if it's mm-hmm. like, you know, people are are going to be on there, you know, commuting back and forth all over the place. Like, I wonder if they did have to digitally erase people or maybe just like, maybe they had just like a developed a filter like an Instagram filter that was like zombify mm-hmm. and they just yeah. sort of put it on all the crowd shots. So anybody in the background, like looked a little bloody and ragged and they're like, Oh, that's fine. <laughs> You're an unpaid extra now. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to talk a little bit about the, the other characters at all in the movie? And we talked a little bit about the, the main guy and his daughter and then the evil guy, but what did you think? Buff of- guy and his wife were my favorite. Buff guy was so cool. <laughs> i just yeah. like just the little conversations that they have like you know when we're first introduced to him as a character he seems kind of like a dick because like suan wants to use the washroom and then he's like hey someone's already in there's two people in there and i'm like at first i was like what is he like standing guard as they're like you know banging one out in there that's what i thought <laughs> that's what i thought too yeah it was his wife and his like his it was his pregnant wife those were the two people but like just like the conversations that they have with each other, he, she, he's like asking Suan, it's like, hey, is your, what does your dad do? He, she's like, he's a fund, like a hedge fund manager. And then. He's oh, he's like, a blood oh, sucker. So like he's, he's used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And his, yeah. his wife's like, don't say that in front of her. And and then she goes, she's no, like, yeah, no, it's like everybody's thinking it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was he was good. I thought that his sort of animosity towards the main character after a certain point was a little bit like, I thought that I felt like it should have switched to be more amenable earlier. I don't know. It just felt like for a while he was still being like, Hey, you're an asshole. Hey, way to go jerk. And I wonder if I, you know, we ran into this problem in the ring where it's all in Japanese and having the subtitles translate it, you know, maybe word perfect, but not, tone perfect and not context perfect so i wonder if like the way the subtitles went sort of made it seem like he was more angry towards our you know our main character than we normally would have been at that point in the movie but that being said he was one of the best had some of the laughs he was by far the strongest person (laughs) in that entire train car. And I wondered if he was some named Korean actor, like if people saw him on the screen and they're like, oh yeah, he's in this movie. Like if he's there, a Chris Evans type or something, you know, it just, (laughs) he seemed like he might, he might have that presence. He might have that star power that would maybe get people in to see this movie as well. (laughs) Captain Korea. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Captain with a K. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no. Nah. Then he'd be Russian. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought 
he was cool. He had the most stuff to do. He got the most like number of people saved moment of sacrifice when he is holding the door shut for so long and ends up getting bitten and just like goes like he literally goes down swinging so that his wife and everybody else can escape and he's willing to lay his life down to protect his unborn child and they set him up to be a jerk and then gave him a a redemption he was cool i think his animosity towards our the main character was justified you know like he main character at the start close to the start of the film closes the door on him and his pregnant wife right oh yeah right so it's like we almost died and like but then he he's so he's such a good character like he's kind of the definition of your perfect character like he'll all he'll go back and saves people he'll like be the the one in the back or the one in leading the charge and yeah, he's kind of funny yep he had a good sense of humor had a good riff riff off with his wife and sue ann and you know our main character so yeah he's a good he's a good guy i'd like to be his friend he was good and then there were the i guess the only other people we haven't really talked about was like the the baseball teens and the boy and girl couple who i paid the least attention when they were on the screen because they were she she seemed very very shrill and very (laughs) i don't know just she she seemed like she was playing a very broad character and she kind of bothered me and then when you know she dies and gets bitten her boyfriend just like sits with her and lets her bite him as well and then they're both like gone from there but help me out with why we should care about those two people because i didn't really that was the k-drama part one of them (laughs) oh yeah one of the k-drama parts how they just die together in each other's arms yeah i found her the teenage girl to be the most stereotypical korean on-screen character kind of like overly Mm. overly dramatic not exactly thinking as clearly as probably should be in a scenario i mean i guess they both served some plot purposes they both were helpful at different times so i think it was just to have more characters in a film that we can follow that we kind of are supposed to care a little bit about yeah i will add that i think i don't know if this was intentional but in my head it's intentional and i'm pretty sure it was intentional but how she was the one in the large group while everybody else was separated Mm. And baseball guy texts her. It's like, hey, we rescued some people. We're coming back to your train. And she tells everybody that they're coming right, back. And yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. like, everybody and the old guy were like, no, like, we don't know if they're infected or not. We're not letting them in. And she's like pleading with the train attendant to like do something about it. But it, it seems so pathetic. Like, she's not like, she's kind of like, please, sir, please, please. But I think that was kind of relatable in the sense where, you know, in Asian cultures, you're you're taught to not speak up against your elders and all that kind of stuff Mm. and i don't know like i think in a north american kind of sense is that like if if you are if you know people are in the wrong and like it's a life and death kind of thing like for me i would have been like hey assholes like this is not right (laughs) like you need to like i would have been like cussing out everybody on that train like you're all pieces of shit blah 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 but like you know (laughs) in that kind of culture you're grown up to be you know respecting your elders and like not kind of not going against what they say and like right the, the kind of pathetic pleading that she was doing i think really fit that setting not going against what your elders say right okay even though even if you know what they're doing is wrong you're just expected to be polite and not 
correct them because yeah they're they're older than you and they know more than you mm-hmm. yeah and and that i i think that sh- shows furthermore in, in like not just like an age thing but a kind of class thing right like old guy clearly was the villain and you know it's it's like what he was doing was super immoral like just letting people die but obviously he is a coo so i'm i'm gonna assume that the other people in that boxcar look to him for leadership because you know right in in that kind of culture you look up to people who are he's got the title he's got the fancy job he he's exactly, he's the boss yeah. so he's the boss of this train as well yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's literally entitled yeah he was <laughs> exactly. the most outspoken he was the loudest one and you know the train attendant didn't have to listen to him right but he ended up listening to him and following him because he is he's this big shot coo who has a loud voice mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that kind of th- this this movie did a, a pretty good job at not shoving it in our faces but kind of did a good little bit of a social commentary on class stature and mm-hmm. the way that these kind of asian countries look at the importance of of class and the mm. the the effect it can have on society right that makes sense to further that scene when they're when the old guy is telling them that they're infected, they might be infected, so they have to sequester them and everybody listens to him. That was actually one of the points in the movie where I was it took me out a little bit because, you know, they're like, Oh, what if they're infected? What if they turn? And just every time we'd see people get infected, it was like immediately they would fall down, they would go into seizures, and like thirty seconds later they'd be up and being zombified. So it'd be like You've had a conversation that's been 45 seconds and nobody has like started foaming at the mouth and biting you. So maybe we're cool. And at that that point, I was like, okay, you're kind of losing. They're kind of losing the way the zombies work for plot convenience. Like the same way when Big Strong Guy got bit, it took him a while to turn. Like it took him long enough to hold the door shut and name his baby and make sure everybody gets away before before the the virus got him and so that was a little mm-hmm. bit like okay you're you, you have plot armor enough to get you to this point which was dad like, also had plot armor at the yeah. very end <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. there was convenient use of the virus affection time maybe if you get bit in the hand it's longer than if you get bit in the neck yeah i mean that that's certainly <laughs> a reasonable way and and or maybe the fact that you know, the other, the other big, the big strong guy, maybe because he was so much bigger than everybody, he was like way more muscular. It took longer for the virus to, to work on him rather than, you know, the first person that gets bitten is this like teeny tiny train attendant lady who gets bit right on the neck and it's like, boom, zombie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think like the rest of the people on that, in that train, it's, it was, it was very like mob mentality kind of thing, right? Like, they all want to listen to this guy in charge who, cause he has this so-called power, right. Based off of the whole class thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess like oh, some of them, if, if any of them did fear to speak out against it, they would be thrown off as well. Right. Just cause of mm. the whole numbers thing. So, but it was like, yeah, I, I do agree with you that it happened to be convenient that like, Oh, they're, they must be infected, but they're not changing <laughs> it's for like... this long time. Look at your watch. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but then then that scene kind of ends when the old lady, I don't know if it was the old lady that was peeling the egg or the old lady that was being given the egg, but she's the only one that kind of stands up against 
that old CEO guy and opens the door to the train, which I thought was kind of based just just right now having the thought of, you know, showing deference to your elders and showing deference to the people in higher power. She would have been like, well, I'm older than him. So I outrank him in this scenario so I can do whatever I want. I don't have to listen to that guy. And she just happened to open the door to let all the zombies kill everyone, which I didn't quite understand why she did it. And I was wondering if maybe you could help me out with that (laughs) as well. I don't know. I guess in some way she's like, these people are the reason why my sister died. Right. Because they kept the door closed. Yeah, because they kept the door closed. And then just after witnessing that on top of them forcing the clearly uninfected group out, she's just like, wow, these guys are assholes. I'm just going (laughs) to, I guess I'll kill them all. (laughs) It's like grandma vigilante justice. Right. You guys made grandma mad. Now you're all going to die. I didn't get to finish my egg. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't read too much into that. I guess it was a way for the filmmakers to be like, okay, there's a little bit of justice for you, audience members. Here you go. But I really only <laughs> wanted justice against old guy and all those other poor, scared people. I was like, no, they didn't have to die because this old guy was being a, a jerk about it. And then he ends up surviving anyway because he hides in the bathroom with Mr. Train Attendant, who is just there to be thrown out a zombie eventually. So I didn't even get the justice I wanted. I thought I did, but No. Hmm. no well i just it her decision was quite selfish (laughs) to open that door i mean (laughs) there were like i don't know maybe 25 to 30 people and even if you don't we we don't like them because of what they did to our protagonists like it was an unnecessary further (laughs) killing of all those people so yeah and i mean the movie had to kind of always go the way it did where it whittles down to to two people who are just just so happen to be like the the examples of a bright future or hope for the future you know a young child who's got her whole life ahead of her and a pregnant mother who's you know got the next generation safe and contained and so they had to just everybody else in that movie is like you're you're not going to be you're not going to make it to the end of this one because we need the the symbols of hope of survival to survive Mm-hmm. sorry children are the future i guess i believe that anyway hey listeners billy here just jumping in mid-episode to let you know that nothing to fear has a sponsor for this week we are sponsored by unclockable unclockable makes feel good gender affirmative products for femmes by fans they exist to help you be you and wear what you want if you haven't seen it for yourself their tuck kit is totally euphoric with Unclockable, your tuck does what gaffs don't. It's swimproof, gymproof, and lifeproof, and will never show a panty line. So you can securely express yourself, live your life, and keep your parts private. Whether you're new to tucking or have been doing it for some time, Unclockable is something to try out. Right now, you can get a home try-on kit for just $5.49. Happiness is guaranteed, and listeners of this podcast can get $2 off their first order. Just go to unclockable.com slash neverfear or use code neverfear, all capital letters, nothing between the words, at checkout. That's unclockable.com slash neverfear or use code neverfear at checkout for $2 off your first order. Unclockable, be you. When you're seen, good things happen. Now, 
I use Unclockable and I was super impressed by the ease and comfort of their product. And they also have some other cool merch on their site. So anyone can go check it out. We're super grateful for Unclockable for supporting the show. So once again, that's unclockable.com slash neverfear and use code NEVERFEAR, all capital letters, nothing between the words, for $2 off your first order. Back to the show. Okay. So I want to talk about another scene that I really liked, another scene of really good tension when they're crawling along the top of the luggage rack to escape, like to, to use the tunnels in darkness. I, I thought that was good. I realized that this is another movie where daytime is not safety, but darkness would be safety. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's flipping tropes on its head left and right. But just that scene of them scooting along the luggage racks and then the, the homeless guy falls down and gets trapped and just as the, the train comes out of the tunnel, you see, I just really like the scene of them diving behind the seats as the light hits the zombies again, as they start to turn around just to hide. I thought that was a really beautiful shot in the movie. I thought that was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I guess heavily inspired Bird Box. <laughs> well, this would have been... When did this Bird Box This was 2016. Come out? Bird Box was like 2018 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Bird Box is 2018. I, yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I just it was it was really cool that the you know they they dived right at the right at the end and I thought that was clever that they snuck their way across the luggage. I thought one of them was going to break. There's a little moment of tension. There's a little bit of creaking, but we didn't get that. But that was just yeah, that was a really cool way again to use the train. You have to get through the zombies in some way. There's no way to go around it. They resisted the urge to go on top of the train car, which wouldn't have worked because it's a bullet train and you would have just been <laughs> immediately blown off. So it was cool. Yeah, another another cool way of kind of dealing with their environment and trying to survive based off of what they have. Like also another darkness tunnel scene that what that was cool was when they used like the cell phone to distract them, the mm. zombies to run <laughs> to the back. I'm surprised that tough guy didn't get more pissed. It's like, wait, you just left my phone back there? <laughs> yeah. I did like how they were like, your theme, your ringtone is stupid. And he's like, why? Also, I don't know how to change it. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? How do I do it? <laughs> yeah. It's it's too late, man. You can't go get your phone now. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, I think at the start where I said I heard it was like a more of an emotional kind of character driven zombie movie that held true. You know, you see... There's like, there's character progression in, in our main character where, you know, at the end of the day, it's really a story about how a distant father and, and like the relationship between a distant father and a daughter, right? There's lots of themes behind it where, you know, you can argue that he's working hard and is kind of neglectful because he wants a good life for her. I think that's, that's the mentality of a lot of Asians is that, you know, um, I have to work hard to provide for my family and whatnot. But then at the end of the day, you, you realize that, you know, at the if a zombie apocalypse does happen, like all that money, all that hard work doesn't equate to anything if you don't have a good relationship with people that you mm-hmm. care about. Um, and you yeah, know. Who, who was talking to Sue Ann? Was it big, strong guy who was like, you know, when you're older, you'll appreciate that your dad wasn't around or who he was talking to someone. He wasn't talking to Suad. Maybe he was talking to the dad. He was talking to the dad when they were in the bathroom. Kind of talk. Yeah, it's just like it's it, it, it contrasts that 
workaholic mentality of having to provide with the more the stuff that you know at the end of the day matters more yeah is that the emotional connection and how it was it was really sweet to see sue ann's character you know at the start of the movie it's her birthday so she really wants to go to busan to be with her mom because she knows that dad's not going to have time for me and things like that but then contrasting that towards the very end when he gets bitten and he wants to like he he's he, he's gonna leave her and she knows mm-hmm. that he's gonna leave because he got bitten where she's like don't leave me don't leave me whereas well, before was she was okay heart-wrenching yeah that part i was like oh my god someone cutting onions yeah, at the here. start she was willing she was willing to tr- ride the train by herself to go see mm-hmm. mom but then at the end she doesn't want to leave dad so it's like there's your k-drama stuff but it was it was all very sweet and heartbreaking at the same time and i think having these kinds of emotions in these movies makes a very simple zombie plot much better and they're not they don't feel fake these are like these are real things and the, the it was well acted that i i felt very invested in these characters mm-hmm. absolutely i thought it was great and that sparked a question in my mind for both of you do we think that if he was on the train by himself he has this character development and this growth or does he go the route of you know old businessman oh yeah route of old businessman (laughs) like even at the very start like he's only looking out for himself and his daughter and he tells his daughter like like why did you do that like only look out for yourself when she offers the seat to the granny Mm, right it only took a zombie apocalypse with his Ah. daughter (laughs) (laughs) yeah all it took was the literal end of the world all right, third time yeah. lucky. Luke, what do you got? In this film, definitely he would have stayed selfish because this movie, even though it's quite enjoyable, the character dichotomies are very simple and stark. You're you're either the old business villain or you're the self-sacrificial hero, right? There's like no kind of, <laughs> there's no shades of gray here. So in, you either the... die you either die a hero or you live yeah. long enough to become the old business villain that classic movie line <laughs> exactly so yeah he would have i think he would have stayed that whole way but you know as of 2021 i consider the zombie genre to be a pretty tired one we've had just about every kind of movie or tv show or interpretation so it's nice to get a movie like this that's still enjoyable in a genre that is teetering on oversaturation it was it was nice, and I think it is because of the the humor of the characters and the kind of like mm, sincerity in all of their reactions to everything, which just goes again to how well this movie was made. I think these zombies were practical effects because they were quite <laughs> impactful. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think these were CGI zombies. I think most uh, well. Not the ones on the train, but definitely all yeah, the yeah, ones yeah. chasing everything was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that, all of that would have been, but just the way, like, yeah. I, I found that the character reactions and decision-making and then how that evolved into how they treated each other was really compelling. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was cool. And he, he learned, I guess, right at the, right at the last moments of his life, you know, he had that white room scene where he's holding his baby daughter and he has a happy smile on his face as he, as he surrenders to, you know, his fate, knowing that he's, he's done all he can as a father, but, you know, I don't know, maybe be there a little bit more when there's not a zombie apocalypse. Parents, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the, the zombies, 
though to your point luke i had a question during the movie where i was like how how do the zombies you know react to parts of their body being destroyed like we saw some getting burned at the end but there were zombies that like fell out of buildings and fell onto moving trains and fell out of the sky in one youtube video and they seemed to just like be able to stand back up and keep going and so i was just wondering in these movies what is what is happening obviously there's no pain receptors but you you would think that if you fell out of a, a plane or a building and your legs all broke there'd be no way you could stand up and like keep running and there just seemed like there's these zombies that are falling out of things and are still able to get up and go and i just thought that was really strange especially at the very end when they're all holding on to the train and there's just that big like pile of zombies i was like the ones on the bottom have got to be just like toothpaste now right like there's no way those ones are getting up and running it's like just... the zombie zombie slip and slide yeah it's just interesting yeah i think that's another thing where it's like show don't tell these zombies can do this right like i think it was kind of shown in the very opening scene with the the deer that got hit by the the truck it's like you could like a lot of these zombies you could hear them snapping their limbs back into like a movable fashion so i guess there's yeah. some kind of strain in this zombie virus that allows your cells to mutate at a rate where you can you know wolverine yourself back up all right i buy that we're getting into because demons territory (laughs) ah because zombie virus when you are dealing with something in a work of fiction that isn't real artistic license can make it whatever it wants it to be yeah fair enough i these are the questions i have when i watch movies though i'm like yeah i mean (laughs) i think this is again why I'm not very scared of zombies because <laughs> they're impossible in this way. <laughs> it's true. And you know what? During this movie, I had a realization as well. Thank you. Thank you to your, your pointing out to me. Like, why are you scared of zombies during this movie? I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not scared of zombies. Like, <laughs> These aren't that scary. <laughs> they're freaky, but I'm not scared of them. If it was real yeah. life, I would be scared of them, but yeah. They're like rabid dogs whose bones don't break. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. And who are, you know, if they can't see you, they don't attack, which I don't know. Yeah. Just paint all the windows on that train and then just leave it. Be like, don't, don't dead Mm -hmm. open inside. There are, you know, zombies on here. (laughs) And you know, you know, if this movie was set in the States, there'd be so many guns on that train, which actually would have been quite helpful. (laughs) There probably would have been a box of fireworks as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it would have been like a scene where they just show like a bunch of people getting on the train being like oh boy i'm sure great to be going on this train up for deer hunting season i got all yeah. my deer hunting supplies up here <laughs> it's just like ah that's why they have mm-hmm. just all their guns or no reason just because guns because america but the very end of the movie i really liked the little callback to her singing her song which proves proves her humanity to the soldiers who who can't see if they're infected or not and they have orders to just kill just kill anybody coming through the tunnel and then she's singing her song that she froze at the start on the, uh, there's a recording from her school's you know recital or whatever and she freezes and she can't finish the song and now she's able to sing it and it's aloha oi the you know hawaiian farewell song but I really like I I like the parallel that aloha in Hawaiian is both hello and goodbye because it was like you're saying goodbye to what was behind and hello to the the new thing and it was very 
it was all very, very symbolic in it. I was like, ah, you did it, movie. You made me like you a lot. <laughs> this was not a happy ending, though, eh? Not even at all. Yeah. Well, it would have been, it's happier than if the soldiers shot them. Yeah, that could have been a real bleak ending. <laughs> would have been a misty ending. I wanted this movie to come. Yeah, I missed any. I wanted this movie to commit to its like death of its heroes and have them shoot the pregnant lady. Can you imagine the ball? Like, just the f- like the fortitude of a movie to have their pregnant lady get shot. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that would be like a big major no no. <laughs> That's definitely a Stephen King type thing. Isn't that just like an episode of The Walking Dead? Maybe. No, she. I don't know if the only one who's pregnant is. Carl's mom. That, they, that would have been have, an episode of Game of Thrones. That, that would have been an episode of Game mm. of Thrones. Absolutely. Yeah. They would have been like, there. Well, that was an episode of Game of Thrones. That was the Red Wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Just the fact that singing and the arts is what proves their humanity at the end. That like it's not, it's not any sort of like promise that. Oh, I'm not infected, or or money, or 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 power, or status. It's the act of somebody simply singing, yeah, and being a little tiny ray of light. That that is the, I don't know. It just it left me on a kind of hopeful note, even though ideally this this is a world that is now fucked completely. Mm-hmm. If this virus is so quickly spreading and quickly overcoming everything, that like it's only a matter of time before you know the end yeah, but, yeah you know once 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 these zombies mutate and learn how to sing you know they are really fucked yeah sing and open doors <laughs> yeah but then at that point are they really zombies Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i did think it was like a little nonsensical that they were ordered to shoot them when they were still that far away like they could clearly wait until they could see them to decide what to do there were only two of them and did you see how many soldiers were there it was just, it was like, that scene was pure tension for the audience. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was pure what if. If it had been one person, then yeah. But yeah, they were definitely on the upper hand. And it was like a scene of some semblance of control happening again. And I don't know if it was a scene of military might being like, look at, look at how great and organized the military is. And we've managed to, to, to set up a safe zone, hopefully. I mean, maybe I'm, again, trying to read too much American movie propaganda in because there's so many movies like like big action movies where the military is the stuff that saves the day. And it's like, hoorah, yay, the army. We saved everybody. And I don't know. It just seemed like in this movie, the military had it shit together enough to set up a safe zone around Busan and, and keep it safe. Where in other movies, they would have been overrun more quickly and it would be up to the scrappy survivors to to save the day. Yeah. But also, the army didn't have enough foresight to put lights in the tunnel it's trying to find survivors walking through so that they might accidentally shoot them. That, I don't know. That seems like a big gap. No, you got to keep the tunnel dark, right? Because the zombies won't run through it then because they can't see it. Yeah, but then that should be a clue for who's in the tunnel. (laughs) Good point. You know what? This movie fucking sucked. Yeah, zero out of five. No, it's just, it's just <laughs> uh, those those kind of things are even funnier to me in good movies than they are in bad movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to make the perfect movie, right? Yeah. 
Well, that's what I, I think. Again, that might be kind of my main criticism of this movie is that this movie sets itself up as a really good the the narrative isn't encumbered by any like characters whims exactly or or plot armor Mm. but there's a number of things at the end that are so it does kind of switch that a little bit not a lot to make it unenjoyable but definitely a little so the 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 setup is kind of different than the payoff of the film but not enough to make it what i would consider not a good movie it's still really good but like it just for for an army that has that much shit together, they can't figure out if it's a zombie or a person in the tunnel <laughs> that they have like made exclusively to watch for people coming through. <laughs> like... Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> just a flashlight, just like yeah, or like one floodlight, <laughs> one floodlight, and the the one problem floodlight. is solved. You know, and although it was interesting earlier in the movie seeing the government propaganda saying how we have it all under control. With the parallel Mm. editing of all of the cities falling apart. I liked that. That was kind of cool. Yeah, they're like, don't worry. You're not in you're not in any serious danger. Yeah, that was cities are burning. (laughs) Yeah. There's like I think it's like directly timed with you're not in any danger. There's a shot of the city and there's like a big explosion. It's like (laughs) it reminded me of the beginning of the COVID pandemic when there were a number of health officials saying, don't wear masks. They're not necessary. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're just like, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. And now if, and now if you're not double masking, you're not doing it right. That's the new thing. Double mask all the time. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Just like double condoms. Always wear double condoms. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I can be really is... safe. Triple that. <laughs> sorry. That, I cut you off, not, Billy. No. <laughs> This is not the stand the stance of nothing to fear podcast. <laughs> use protection, <laughs> yes. Don't use two protection. <laughs> but two protection better than one protection. No, God. <laughs> it's mathematically correct. I can get a hedge fund manager to correct, like mm. to like prove that, right? <laughs> sure. Have safe sex, everybody. Anyway, Billy, sorry, I cut you off. Um. Uh... I, th- I think I was just going to say I like the fact that the internet stayed kind of stable-ish throughout. Like, people were able to still use their phones. Korea's got the best infrastructure in the entire world. <laughs> there was obviously a lot of call volume and a lot of drop calls, but he was able to still, like, use Google Maps or whatever for the train tunnels. And he was able mm. to, they were able to text, and it wasn't like a complete cutoff of communication. It's actually called DOM, D-A-U-M in Korea, DOM. That's their Google Maps is down. Not Google? Yeah. But I mean, like, that was a good point because it it made sense. Like, there's no reason necessarily for the zombies to go attack, like, cell towers or wherever the servers of internet are. Like, because it seems like they're only really attracted to organic human or animal material, not, you know, the whatever, the electronics. So... It just, it made sense that right away, those things wouldn't necessarily go down because it's like, unless there's a zombie outbreak at one of those things, why would they go down? Right. And like, well, how, how long until the internet would fail if, if nobody was there? I don't really know how the internet gets made and how it gets mm. <laughs> gets to our phones. I just, I imagine there's some sort of like, you know, steam engine apparatus where there's a bunch of, you know, sweaty men shoveling coal into a, a fire somewhere, <laughs> pumping the internet. Is that how it works? <laughs> yes. Is that, is that how the internet comes up? Full speed ahead, internet! <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, isn't the, Here comes isn't the internet, internet 
hosted on servers. So if the servers don't get attacked, I don't know how long they last for without maintenance. Long enough. Yeah. I mean, the train to Busan is should be less than five hours. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I press button on phone and I have internet. Mm. Yeah. It's a magic rectangle that shows me people that I care about. And that's really all I use it for. And mm-hmm. sometimes TV shows. Anything else from Train to Busan before we wrap her up? No. Shakes. Shaky shakes. Shaky shakes. Got shakes over here. Well then, do we have a scariest part of the movie? Yeah, I guess for me, it's like, it's it's a very tense movie, especially when you see the zombies and you hear like the the kind of limb crack and stuff. So I think like it wasn't a shock that it happened because you know it's going to happen. But I would say the scariest part of this movie was close to the start of the movie when the one lady that hops onto the train and she's infected she collapses down and the attendant notices her and she's like calling for help and then she's like working her walkie-talkie and then you just see behind her it's like crack, oh crack, yeah crack and the zombie comes up and yeah and it's like oh like that's that's kind of scary don't wouldn't want that to happen to me so that, that's my <laughs> yeah. scariest part of the movie that's a good one luke i think all the scary parts are equally scary because they're all zombie based no one scene with a zombie caused any more anxiety in me than any other part with a zombie and overall it wasn't scary so i just think the creepiness of (laughs) i mean the eyes were cool but they weren't even that scary i didn't think they were just bland and so no i can't even pick a particular time just any zombie moment will fill in as the default sure Uh, we i just realized we completely glossed over the fact that there's a huge train crash at one point as well to add extra tension mm-hmm. which came it very, just happened very... to be on fire and on the track right <laughs> just smashing in but when they're all pouring out that was that was kind of freaky any scene of like the zombies all pouring out but the one that gave me the biggest like jump scare was almost right towards the very end of the movie where you'd think we'd be all jump scared out and we know that there's there's danger on every corner but it's when the conductor is trying to find the other train and there's like two when they get to East Dayon Station. I don't know the exact name of it, but when they get to that station, they have to stop and he's like, everyone get off. And he's running around and you think like, you know, what? this conductor has been relatively safe the whole time. He's been up in his little car, just driving his train like toot toot. Here we go. And then he goes up to the one the one train and there's just a zombie in the, the cab of it that like jumps up against the glass and he's like, bah! I, that was that was a shock because mm. I wasn't expecting it. And I should have been because zombie movie, there's going to be zombies jumping up and pressing their faces into the glass because that's what zombies love doing. So <laughs> that was my <laughs> that was my scariest part of the movie. But yeah, all the other zombie scenes were really tense and, and very effective. Very effective. So what are we going to give this film out of five? Or what are we going to rate this film out of? Trains to Busan or... <laughs> convenient baseball bats <laughs> we nintendo wii's because <laughs> there was two in this movie <laughs> that's true we could rate you know what that was probably the more unrealistic part of this movie it was 2016 and the wii was the new thing that kids liked like i don't think yeah. so that was like that was what was that 2008 2006 2006 yeah. was the nintendo wii yeah yeah she should be getting a nintendo switch that was coming out that year <laughs> yeah Exactly. Okay, we'll rate it out of unrealistic Wii's. I like, yeah, let's do Nintendo Wii's out of five Wii's. What are we giving this one? Luke, why don't you go first? You're on the top of the screen today. Ah, 
Yeah, this movie's pretty good. It's an enjoyable train ride, you might say. Mm, the setup is great. All of the filmic elements are really good. The production was obviously they had a big budget for it. Again, I think it was too long, and I think it was made too long for the K-drama aspects. And as you know, those don't really fit my palette. I found a lot of the, especially the scene with the teenage girl and the baseball player, and even the dad, I found it, and this are, these are for your mom, Billy. I found them exceedingly saccharine and lacrimose. And so Whoa. I was not particularly interested in... How long, I just, those scenes felt like they dragged several minutes Mm -hmm. longer than they needed to be, if they even needed to be in the film. So because of that, I'm going to give it 3.75 out of 5. 3.75. Nice. Yeah. Alex, you go next. You're in the, you're in the middle of this Discord video that I can see. Yeah. Contrary to what happened in the movie, this was not a train wreck. (laughs) I quite, I quite enjoyed it. I think... What what really impressed me the most was in a incredibly oversaturated market of zombie media, this was incredibly enjoyable, and I never found it boring. And, you know, it being a foreign film made it extra nice for me. You know, I'm a big advocate of foreign movies, so yeah, like super simple but compelling plot, great characters, and yeah, K-drama Parts aside, I, I quite liked it. You know, I, I do like the occasional K-drama, so I guess I did like those parts. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to give this four wheeze out of five. Four wheeze out of five. Nice. I wish I could give this one a perfect score, but I can't. Because one of the storytelling cardinal sins, especially from a tabletop role-playing game standpoint, is making sure not to railroad your players into one uh, direct action. And this movie was all railroad, so... Mm. <laughs> I can't give it a perfect score. Uh, there, there was a track that split off into two sections. Do you remember that part? There was a track that split off. Sorry, you both had made trade puns, and I was like, "Ooh, get something in there with railroad. Get something in there with uh... railroad. I can, I can do it." <laughs> Billy, you brought up the caboose. Nice. <laughs> perfect joke. One hundred percent of listeners enjoyed it. Yes. Anyway, there were some points in the movie that dragged on. There were some that was a little bit hard for me to to follow or care about. But the fact that it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be and is showing me that zombies ain't nothing to be afraid of was really cool. I thought the characters were cool for not really knowing who they were, but just sort of the picture of them. And so I think this also benefits from coming off of a long string of mediocre to less than mediocre films that we've done for this podcast and just having a tighter story and a little bit more cohesion and maybe that's my like modern film bias showing a little bit, but yeah, I I enjoyed this one thoroughly, and I'm gonna give it four and a half wees out of five. Four point five wees. Is half a wee like a Wii U? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you if you if you ask Nintendo, I think so. <laughs> Wii is the slang for taking a piss in England, so or and and other countries. So what? Take a wee. Isn't we also like small? Yeah, that's like yeah, we, like, like in Scottish for sure. Or Scottish mm-hmm. slang. It's also yes, small in French. In French, yeah. So you're giving this four point five yeses out of five yeses. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
4.5 Nintendo Wii's out of 5. Nintendo does not sponsor the Nothing to Fear podcast, but we're open. Are you a Nintendo right. or a Nintendo? <laughs> I think that was a Sega ad in the early 90s. We do what Nintendo don't. I actually think that yep. was one of their slogans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of my very one of my very ruder tweets regarding the Nintendo Switch, where it says the existence mm. of the Nintendo Switch implies the existence of a Nintendo top and a Nintendo bottom. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so that just seems reality based. Nothing anyway. rude about it. <laughs> All right, let's cheer something, friends. What are we going to cheer this week? What are we cheering? Luke, you go first again. You're on the top of the pile. Well, my cheer... Unless you have a bad one and you don't want to go first. No, no, no. My cheer this week is going to be... I think I've done this a couple times maybe, but it's a music cheer. The lockdown has made me revisit some bands that I haven't listened to for a long time. So I'm going to cheer a band that I have loved at many different times in my life that I've started listening to again recently, which is the band Incubus. Mm. I don't know. As as both of you know, all alternative rock is probably my favorite genre of music and i don't know why but incubus came into mind again this last week and so i added a whole bunch of their songs onto my apple playlist and been listening to them a bunch and for me i think this is the case for everyone but music just is such a memory inducing thing for me so there are Mm -hmm. four very distinct eras and things going on in my life that incubus reminds me of because when drive came out i was like 12 so it reminds me of my friend ryan playing at his house in the late 90s early 2000s and then the song megalomaniac came out when i was in high school so it reminds me a lot of my high school friends the song the album light grenades came out in university so it reminds me a lot of like working on the roof in the summer because i heard those songs a lot and then their album if not now when came out in my first year in korea so it reminds me a lot of my friends in korea because and it's just it's cool like a lot of bands do that for me but incubus i think is such an underrated band in the canon of great modern rock bands i think brandon boyd is one of the greatest singers of our era so i'm cheering the band incubus nice strong recommendation from luke mason awesome they are so good awesome cool cool cheer my watch just yelled at me stop yelling at me watch i'll stand up later alex what are you cheering this week i will cheer a movie i watched yesterday so i saw judas and the black messiah oh yeah yeah very very good movie highly highly recommend anyone to watch it yeah i was just it's it's one of those movies where i i just want to talk about it and then also i want people to see it so that i can talk about it with them (laughs) it was just well made really well acted by daniel klua and big recommend nice yeah i've heard i've heard nothing but good things about judas and the black messiah so i'll have to check it out is it it's available to rent somewhere right Amazon or Netflix yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, somewhere. It's somewhere. Find like it Americans wherever can you watch find... it on HBO Max or something like that. Content. You can probably rent yeah. it somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Cool. I am going to also cheer something that I watched this week. And I didn't watch it this week, but this week I'm cheering something that I watched. And it is a show I found on Disney Plus that had been out for a little while called Gravity Falls. It's an animated show. It is jam-packed with Easter eggs for, you know, grown-ups. It's one of those cartoons where there's so many jokes that adults would get that kids don't. 
Very tight show, very short, only two seasons long. Super funny, super charming. Oh, I love the I love the voice work in it, and at the very end, the very last episode, like reduced me to absolute tears. So I was, you know, dismayed that I had slept on this show for so long and hadn't seen it. But I I heartily recommend Gravity Falls over on Disney Plus if you got it, because that show is just hella charming, top to bottom. It's a good one. Alrighty, here we are again at the end of another episode. That'll pretty much do it for us. We don't have any reviews to read out, but if you would like to support the show, please give us a rating and a review over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. It helps us go up in the charts. It helps people find us. And it takes just a minute to leave a five-star review and a a five-star rating and a one-star or one... Takes just a minute to leave a five-star rating and a one-sentence review to help more people discover the the show and we really appreciate everyone who has done so and is going to do so and also if you want you can leave a one star review and a five sentence no 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 (laughs) don't leave us a one star review that takes a little longer so make sure you're committed to it it does take a little longer but if you are honest about it then absolutely (laughs) please don't send us one star reviews i don't i don't know if i can handle it Let us know how you like the show. Send us a DM. You can find us on the internet. You can find us at Nothing to Fear Podcast over on Instagram. You can find us on NTF Pod on the Twitter machine. You can find me and see my other show that I do called Quarantine Kitchen on my Instagram, which is Billy by Design, I before E when spelling Billy, and underscores between the words. You can... Buy some of our merch. We have a T Public store and a Society Six store, and you can get hoodies, T-shirts, bags, face masks. You can get all sorts of stuff. So check out those sites and and get us a, get a couple items as a gift for you or your friends, and it helps us out as well. Helps us keep making our show. Thank you to our lovely Alex Wan for writing the music for the show that we use at the top, and for the variations that I occasionally. Well, WhatsApp you in the middle of the night being like, what if we did this with the theme? And you're like, okay, so. I'm still waiting for when you use my Nolan inspired one. Your Nolan inspired one? Yeah. And you- <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Need a lot of those. Thank you for doing that. Thank you so much to Katie Rogers for giving us the episode cover art. It always makes me smile when you send a new one through. And those designs are available in our merch store. And thank you both Luke and Alex for joining me weekly on this show. Luke. Where can the people see and hear you? Not see you. Probably not see you. But where can they hear you? <laughs> My other podcast, Really True Fiction, Spaces Between the Words, available on all major podcasting <laughs> applications. Nice. Any more motion on the liberal soul? What's the status on that one? We need a status update. Liberal soul, sa- liberal mm. soul status update. I am hoping to start recording in the near future. And maybe I'm aiming it for it to be on the internet probably May, June kind of time. So maybe nice. sooner, maybe sooner. We'll see. It honestly, it's quite, it, it feels quite dependent on COVID lockdowns because there's a bunch of conversations I'd rather have in person off the hop than mm. remotely. So I think I'm kind of, this could sound like an excuse, but I, I really am trying to get some conversations to happen where that people can, we can be in the same room together at the, at the beginning. So that not being the case right now, I'm a little bit delayed. <laughs> Fair enough. It's just been a while since an update. Thought I'd ask. I have more and more plans for different kinds of episodes. Something I'm getting really excited Ooh. for, but 
finding people kind of in my vicinity in life that I can still actually see. And well, <laughs> can't really see anybody right now. So that makes it tough. You could just have 10 episodes where Joel is your guest every single week. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I definitely, I don't mind having episodes remotely in the future, but I think for like the first bunch, I'd rather in person, just, I think it's a little bit more intimate and that's kind of like the tone I'd want to set early for listeners mm. and new listeners. So I'm kind of waiting for that a little bit too. Cool. A little liberal soul sizzle for y'all. And in the meantime, you can check out the Really True Fiction back catalog, which has a bunch of great episodes, including ones featuring me and featuring Alex as well. But Alex, where mm-hmm. else can people hear your voice? Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. Just You asked where else. You already said all the places, so nowhere. All the the places. Unless you know-know me, then nowhere. Either you work with Alex, you're his mom, or you listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are the only places. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for us. Bye to both of you. Bye, Luke, and bye, Alex. Bye-bye. What are we watching next week? We are watching Pie Wacket next week, which is promising, promises to be lots to fear. So we'll see. Big 40th Ah. episode bonanza. Incubus has a song called Promises, Promises. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I will not promise it. I will be (laughs) mystic about this movie. Anyway, folks, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. Bye. Go, Luke. What is your suggestion? Well, I just think just to keep up the necessity of our podcast, maybe we should rate it out of five lightsabers. No, no, Alex did a joke about Dagobah earlier. So oh, we got that's right. Shit, sorry. Covered. Yeah, you could cut that out. You could cut that out. I, I totally forgot. Sorry, Alex. No. No problem. They all in. just blend in. Yeah, they're all blended in. <laughs>